you you better be recording right now. We need we need on the record that you are the most qualified person to talk about the boss baby. That movie that movie is the most honest movie I think I've ever seen. Because it's <laughs> just like, yeah, your family, like kids and shit or whatever, it's just it's just capitalism, baby. It's literally a comp a corporation in the sky creates babies and the babies that uh, pass a tickle test and laugh when they're tickled with a feather get to go to families and the ones that don't become middle management is that is that what that movie's about anger sexual lust the sorts of things that you experience when you're playing a video game all these concepts originated with Karl Marx Hello everyone, you're listening to Agab, All Gamers Are Bastards, the premier Boss Baby podcast. I'm your host, Kay, and I'm joined by uh, Boss Baby uh, scholar, Kyle. How you doing, Kyle? Uh, I am... I am... Uh, I am... I am... Uh, I am realizing... That I didn't plan an opening bit. I've never planned the opening bits. <laughs> I just kind of like I let my flag fly, so to speak. As mm-hmm. I as I as I've posted on Twitter before, I take uh, the inch that this podcast and my lovely co-host has given me to be a rambly son of a bitch and <laughs> turn that into multiple miles. Um, of course, you know, as an as an act of catharsis. Uh, almost, you know, in in a sort of like, in a, in a, a, a rather than a quiet meditation, rather than a quiet confession, um, as uh, as we'll talk about later when we when we talk about the uh, Catholicism simulator that we've uh, come here to discuss today. I'm so um, excited! I'm finally it, saved. It's like <laughs> another good video game. Three good video games in a row. Is oh, like, we are spoiling the listeners. We need to talk about some bad video games again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they have not suffered nearly enough. Um, yeah. yeah, but no, I'm uh, I'm doing well. I'm I am surrounded by boxes as I'm packing up my life and getting ready to move across the country. Um, which oh yeah to, yeah a week uh, in a little over a week. Um, a week from this coming Friday, by the time this will out, this is out, I will be a Florida expat, and I will be in uh, Beantown, as they call Beantown. it, uh, Boston, East, Eastern oh, Massachusetts. They call that Beantown. There's a lot of beans. It's because there's a lot of beans. Um, wow, you can go live with Movie Bob. Aren't you excited? Oh, oh man, Movie Bob lives in Boston. I I don't know if he lives there, but he sound like he's he's from Boston, right? Yeah, clearly. Uh, I don't know if he's I, still there, but like I feel like his essence must remain. Movie Bob. In some I way. I know you're listening. Uh, I know you listen, Bobbert. We Bobbert, we we know that you're a fan of the pod um as a as a perpetual act of self-abuse, I imagine. Um <laughs> as we as we annihilate your lib brain. Um and you make terrible jokes video game opinions uh yeah i'm gonna just go hang out with the boston red sox um with movie bob and And my friend leslie and mario yeah mario canonically canonically from boston they are italian and thus catholic and thus they live in boston because that's where all the uh, that's right they live they're also in Blasphemous, uh, the game we'll be talking about later. <laughs> Movie Bob is one of the bosses. And, uh, <laughs> Mario the Mar- and Luigi are the playable characters. You yes, know, it's Mar- classic. The Mario Brothers, uh, as you as you all know, because you've played this game, you know you know what it's you like. Know that. Just jumping on turtles and uh, uh, yeah, performing weird Catholic rites and healing people of their leprosy. Uh, mm-hmm. That's what the Mario Brothers are known for. That's right. But before we get into that, I kind of want to circle back around to Boss Baby and to um, just like the complete commodification of anything that could ever possibly be good in the world until we're just all two-dimensional cubes. 
um because that's what'll happen don't worry about it uh there is a, an article that has been brought to our attention published on vice who is known to mostly post cringe uh and the the headline is apex legends lets players show their lgbtq pride overwatch gets a rainbow and then there's a little quote we don't have plans for additional pride content for overwatch at this time blizzard says and um i just want to read a little bit of this article because it makes me it, it fills me with an ancient rage unbeknownst to most mortals all right so it says if you're a queer player of a character-based shooter you're probably drowning in pride related cosmetic items to show your pride in game except if you're an overwatch fan when Overwatch was announced, uh, Blizzard, the game developers, made particular note of the diversity of its characters. Blah, 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 blah. <clears throat> Other games in the same genre as Overwatch, the character-based shooter, have gone all out for Pride Month. Uh, Valorant, developed by Riot Games, featured free player cards with a variety of Pride flags, as well as titles that allow players to identify as members of those communities or as allies. And it goes on like that, listing all the just superficial nonsense other big game companies have done and being like blizzard you naughty little guys why haven't you why haven't you done more pride stuff um and uh this sucks all right this sucks massive amounts of ass uh because it it's it's uh, it's sort of the outcome of putting uh, a very shallow understanding of representation at the forefront of like queer liberation politics where mm -hmm. it now becomes oh what it's politics now is me being able to have like a rainbow badge in a video game i like um <laughs> to the point where you would get annoyed at a company for not doing that I'd be like why do you hate gay people loving gay people and and of course and trans people and everyone means uh uh, it means corporate assimilation in a on a very superficial level, and if you don't do that, that's homophobia, buddy. And uh, this this sucks. You don't want these companies to be fucking doing shit like this. It, ideally, they would be afraid of us. This is it's a trick that capitalism plays on you. To get you to think that any of that shit actually fucking matters. Because here's the thing. that It, it doesn't. And I, I was going to... I could describe it. But I have sitting next to me um, a book that ha that uh, addresses this kind of a thing so much better than I could. It is uh, a, a collection... An essay collection called uh, Transgender Marxism. And it is uh, edited by uh, Jules Joan uh, Gleason and Ella Rourke. And there's a passage in the introduction that I think is really useful for talking about um, all of this kind of stuff. And it goes like this. Capitalism as a mode of production requires circuits of circulation, consumption, and social reproduction. Far from a marginal concern, the regulation of gender and sexuality must be understood as integral to capitalism as it survives across time. The wrath, quote, trans ideology, end quote, triggers among reactionaries is not simply mindless contempt. It is not reducible to psychodrama. Instead, capitalism's right wing treats apparent breaches of continuity in the operation of its private households for good reason. This open contempt will not be quieted, however. Skillfully, the left wing of capitalism offers hollow promises of accommodation of an ever more encompassing bourgeoisie featuring reformed household, modernized subjectivities, and gender-enlightened oppressors. And this last point, I think, mm. is, the, uh, is the real kicker. Like it, we do not need pr proud representation, like within these like cheap commodities that are just kind of thrown to us like slop before swine. Like yeah. we are in so many ways like subjectivizing ourselves in the exact way that neoliberal capitalism in our contemporary moment wants us to. Which is by deciding that this is what this is this is representation in any meaningful sense. This representation actually matters and does something, and is going to like it. it just to, just to round it out, bring it right back to what Kay said is that they they do not fear us, and this is a mistake. 
they do not they should not fear our tweets there needs to be an actual like material threat that when we're engaging with this type of culture that like that would actually bring the change that we would want to see mostly i'm thinking to like probably all of the queer employees of a company like blizzard that is notorious for treating its workers like absolute dog shit and this sort of rise and grind like culture that's around in the video games industry and a video, an industry that is filled with queer identifying people for good reason and the problem is is that none of this is ours and it's never going to be ours and so when we like this article is like 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 i'm sorry gita like like i like a lot of your stuff but this is ridiculous for any number of reasons and the main reason being it's 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 a it's a mirage this this means nothing and it does nothing and that the only yeah. thing that we should really give a shit about is the fact that people give a shit about it so much it's an it's an indictment of our problem in better than anything that we could describe this article just does it yeah and it's especially like mind dissolving because one of the like companies that they hold up as doing better than blizzard is fucking riot and like all right <laughs> listen riot is just 20 sex pests in a fucking trench coat so you're out of your goddamn mind not a year not a year ago um a uh, a league of legends player uh called uh dumble doge uh like left their team because they were getting tons because they're gay and getting tons of homophobic abuse from their teammates yep. And Riot investigated and said, yeah, nah, no one broke any rules. It's fine. So, like, eat my ass, Riot. Fuck you. And 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 don't, don't put them in your article of being like, oh, look how much better Riot's doing. They've got uh, fucking rainbow badges that you can get. Like, sh shut up. What? <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Are we living? Like, I feel like I'm being, like, I feel like I'm living in a completely different world sometimes when, like, it's... It reminds me, so I've been, oh man, it, it reminds me, so I've been, I've been watching uh, a load of garbage called uh, Studio 60 on the Sunset Strip, the Aaron Sorkin TV show that's basically like, what if the West Wing were about Saturday Night Live? Um, mm. It's, uh, it's dog shit. It's terrible. It only lasted for a season for good reason. And I find it infinitely interesting because whereas in the West Wing, like, Sorkin is essentially like like sanitizing like the evil ghoul monsters at the center of American Empire like 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 the like like the overqualified you know like like c collection of shitheads that run the country all based off of like wish fulfillment as if like Al Gore had won the 2000 uh presidential election this like this complete like psychodrama to use the word of the of uh, of the book that i was just quoting um i think describes it really well like that show is about like evil monsters doing things that do absolutely have a lot of stakes i mean they're running the united states government it's about the white house it's about the presidency that has like an unbelievable amount of things wrong with it not just that it's literally just 10 different versions of aaron sorkin like all talking to each other <laughs> like <laughs> studio 60 on the sunset strip is even 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 worse and it's not just because it's a worse tv show it's not that much different than the west wing what it what's different about it is that it treats the same it, it treats completely different environments with the same stakes of like the at the center of the US government like these are the people who are in charge and this is why basically we should venerate the good guy in the white house or whatever this is why like the pod will save america like to use a more contemporary example studio 60 on the sunset yeah. strip uses all of that same drama to talk about fucking it's like fucking saturday night live who the fuck cares this does not matter <laughs> at all but what it does is it teaches that I talk a lot about desire and things like that and how we learn how to desire things. What all it does is it, it, it attempts to teach people that this is the shit that matters, that like whether or not the 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 cast member on this fake TV show who is a devout Christian should take 
like risque photos for a magazine whether or not the the one of the one of the new head writers who whether or not the president of the fake version of nbc in that show getting a dui is going to tank the network or whatever like it's just like it's it's like tabloid garbage that is repackaged as the most important shit in the entire world and it's all because you know aaron sorkin decided that he thought it was really important but it just like it's Mm. meaningless and all I'm, i'm just watching this tv show and i'm just like this has no fucking stakes like it has no stakes at all <laughs> and like the like what makes me think about this like apex legends riot games crap is that like it's the same thing the real stakes exist in the way that these corporations gigantic corporations that make a lot a lot of money or like mi- middle like middle of the road kind of like mid-sized game developers that like just just as you said it's just, it's just like it's like the house of rapists or whatever like who decide they want to like make a a video game like the, the the stakes that matter are the stakes that have an impact in the material world and this like <laughs> like conversation about who has the most rainbows i can't even pretend i'm sorry like i i don't know how to give a shit yeah yeah don't don't let them turn you into a fucking brand don't let them turn you into a marketing opportunity all right like insofar as your identity is a thing it needs to be a thing that is rooted in a true liberatory struggle not in can i have uh, a rainbow skin in a video game or does fucking raytheon and the CIA put up a fucking pride profile picture every June. Like, that's not... That's just fucking sad. And you deserve better. We all deserve better. The, shit like that should be met with nothing but hostility. And it should be completely seen as just the the vile attempt at recuperation that it is. And that's... I don't really give a shit about pride as it exists today. Because it's it's it feels like a... Mostly a marketing shtick. It used to be a confrontation with power and an exercising of pa- of power from exteriority. Like as queer yeah. people, like it was a con- it was a confrontation with the levers of power as they neglect and marginalized people of different I- sexual orientations and gender identities. And like what this crap is is at best tacit acceptance. And the thing that's exactly right about what you're saying, Kay, is that, like, we ha- we keep forgetting that the goal, like, so many people keep forgetting that the goal is not acceptance. Like, the goal is liberation. The goal is, like, even, even, mm. even if you want to split the difference between that, if, if liberation is too scary of a word for you, then the goal is equality. This is not equality in any actual meaningful sense. It's just, like, it's kayfabe. It doesn't actually do yeah. anything. And like we do, we, we, you definitely deserve better. And this needs to be just like thrown on the ground and stomped over like the crap that it is because that's exactly what it is. It's, it's, it's garbage. It doesn't mean anything. It doesn't do anything. And like, it's what happens when we don't have power with which we can make demands like Blizzard, treat your workers better. Riot Games don't exist like or not or either of you like (laughs) like 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 i i I will i will give a shit about what my video games look like when i can expropriate the wealth and the capital from these terrible people who run these terrible companies and give it to the people who actually make their video games and then we'll start we can start having conversation about like what does representation look like and how, because I don't think those are inherently bad things to talk about, but we have to, like, I'm sorry, grow up and accept the idea that this is like, this, it, it is, it is, it is a conversation from a parallel fucking universe to where, like, we are just, like, where we have, where we supposedly have power and can make change. But the problem is, the problem is that we just can't. We don't have any power. And so we have to sit around yelling about this shit. And it's like, I'm so tired and so gay. 
And I'm like, <laughs> like, what do I do? Yeah. Um, I just think we need more, like, combativeness. Yeah. <laughs> just, like, open hostility. Like, it can't... I don't... I don't want to get a little pat on the head and get told I'm a special... I'm special and valid by class enemies, yeah. all right? That's not... It's a bad thing if they're doing that. Um, I want I want their fear. Mm -hmm. That's what I want from them. And that's all well and good to say, but I think that the way that needs to manifest in your attitude towards politics is when a Joe Biden figure goes up there and insists, oh, you, you, you're heard, uh, you're seen, um but makes no material concessions, that is no different than a fucking Republican going up and, and spewing hate. Because he's offering you nothing except for the violence of the status yes. quo. And you need to see those empty uh, images of concessions for what they are, which is asking you very nicely to shut the fuck up and sort of let what's happening exactly. keep Sit happening. Sit down and be quiet. And yeah, and that is only ever going to be further violence against yourself uh but but soldier 76 is gay <laughs> is he yes <laughs> i believe he was oh, okay I, I know tracer's gay oh yes i read that in the, i didn't know that until i read this article today yeah but i mean it doesn't count as representation because she's also british which cancels mm -hmm. it out yeah so yeah the british are fake yeah um Soldier yeah. 76 doesn't count as representation uh, because he's an agent of uh, Empire. Um, and <laughs> yeah, he's a troop. The, so the straightest thing in the world that you can do is to be an, ag to be straight, an agent yeah. of Empire. Um, <laughs> no soldiers at Pride. Uh, no Soldier 76. No tracers at Pride. Um, who's Sorry, are they trying to tell me that Zarya is straight? Is that... I mean, have like, which that would be probably the... Like is that is that not the joke that's been played on us the entire time? Is that like a uh, um, like like an incredibly powerful like butch Russian is like settling down with their husband? <laughs> that's fucked. This game is sick and degenerate. And is corrupting the youth. Add it, add it to the list <laughs> of things that will be banned post-revolution. Call of Duty, uh, um, the Katy Perry discography, uh, mm -hmm. Pikachu's at Pride, and Overwatch. And Overwatch with straight Zarya. Yep. Yeah. It's <laughs> just disgusting. Keep it in the privacy. Blizzard, there's still time to amend <laughs> it. There's still time to escape uh, a, a righteous and thorough purge. We'll see. Man, it's fucked. Video games are fucked up. It's, uh... So I, I just, I hate that they're always trying to insert, like, a political agenda. You know? It's gross. Yeah, yeah. Zarya being straight. It's really, it's fucking ridiculous. It's really offensive to me, all of the capitalism. That's right. I feel like um, this opening news piece uh, got us both very heated, because it's dog shit, and I hate it, but... I think that we have something very um, calming um, for the game that we're going to talk about because we are Catholics now, <laughs> um, which is very exciting. Uh, I got to meet the Pope. Uh, he told me that we're doing great and he loves the podcast. Yes. Uh, he's a longtime listener, the Pope. Uh, <laughs> shout outs to shout outs to Francis first and foremost. Francis, Frankie, that's right, my boy, Frankie, <laughs> Frankie. <laughs> yeah, Frankie, longtime uh, friend of the pod. Um, he, he, we're, we're we're talking about his favorite game, uh, which is Blasphemous. Guilt, repentance, mourning, and every pain of the soul of all kind were visibly and tangibly manifested everywhere and in all of us. Sometimes in the form of blessing and grace. Sometimes in the form of punishment and corruption. 
Uh, now, Blasphemous is a uh, Metroidvania-type game. Um, if you've played uh, Hollow Knight, I think it's it's similar in spirit to that. Yeah. Uh, it's It's got uh, some kind of... Um, I think it's easy to, to say that it's uh, a, a game that's taken some influence from Dark Souls, because but, but really what's happened is Dark Souls has taken a lot of influence from medieval European Christianity. There's tons of cathedrals and weird Christian shit in the Dark Souls games. And uh, I think that uh, Blasphemous could be said to, to take those aspects... Uh, and influence from those places and, and really just run with them. And uh, it's one of the more, like, disturbing games because, like, Christian, specifically Catholic shit, I think is absolutely fucked. Like, um, just everything everything about it. I love it. It's, uh, for me, it's, it's like, way more fucked up than, like, Lovecraft and stuff. And it's, it's just fantastic. Uh, Kyle, what did you think of, of Blasphemous? I, um... I think I have thought so many very, very, you know, not to, not to spoil it, but very, very many wonderful things about this game. I think it's very good. Um, mm-hmm. And you're completely right. And I, I, I like that we like it's important for us to understand history and how everything that kind of reminds you of Dark Souls isn't just like a Souls like, <laughs> as you say, because you know the thing. There, whenever I see a dragon, I'm like, wow, it's like Dark Souls. It's, exa- it's exactly like the, it's exactly <laughs> like Dark Souls. Like it, <laughs> it is like Blasphemous is this very meditative, like very bleak as fuck game, which is what really drew me to it in the first place. Um, actually, I think I played it per your recommendation, Kay, which... Uh, uh, yeah, points, I spread misery. Point, so. Points for Kay in, in the spreading of misery. <laughs> this is what, and as a uh, someone who was raised by Christians, um, I'm constantly seeking out um, uh, some sort, uh, a form of suffering and misery. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and it's nice when it can be done in such a fun way. Uh, yeah. But Blasphemous is like... In, there, there's a lot that I can say about its sort of lore, and we'll get to that of, of, of sorts. But it, just like sort of bare, bare bones talk, like it's a it's a good fucking video game, and the reason why is because it's able to, and what, this is something that I think it does very very different than, uh, say like like Bloodborne for example, which would probably be of that of of those types of games would be the most immediate comparison because of the sort of gothic stylings. It like it has. Like a game like Bloodborne is looking to sort of like, like form form the subject as you play the game. It's like it's about really like you. It, the game pretty much just tells you it's just like you're this kind of you're you're this basically empty vessel that is like sort of like achieving and determining meaning as you like work through the struggle and the difficulty of the game. You fail, you try, you fail, you try again. Um, and I think that's a really wonderful thing. But Blasphemous is doing something different in that it has like this very quiet but very powerful story that it's telling you as it as you go through it. And so you have this balance of like there's a lot of exploration because the, the Metroidvania format really lends itself to and even more even more than other Metroidvania games, you, you can you can get to a lot of parts of the map. Uh, early on and i feel like i have so much choice in like the way that i put the game sort of together and to be able to write a story that is in my opinion so realized and really understands what it's trying to do but to do so in these sort of like fragmented sections to where you can approach one part of the map before another part of the map and still come to sort of like the same understanding that you would if that were flipped around or if you went to a completely different place or like that sort of a thing. It has this, the the way that it writes dialogue are in these little sort of like piecemeal conversations, either with people or with like people who are also kind of objects. And like this, it has this very, it, it's it's masterful and the way that it's able to like 
function as this meditation on indiscretion on mm-hmm. like really suffering and the 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 question what this game is really about is it's about silence like there it is that there's an interplay between the central character uh, the penitent one as he's called um who is a member of a monastic order who uh a silent monastic order from what i understand and there's this like there's this really there's this important idea in like aesthetic practice in catholicism i think about recently i've been working on a video about the tree of life and um uh basically like part parts of heidegger that sort of intersect with the work of saint augustine and like reflections on suffering and the sort of suffering creation and death there's this heideggerian thing that like we there's this idea of throneness which is that no one we're, we're never given a choice to enter into the world we're just born and then when we're born we are thrown in his words thrown into the world the words that i looked at were born screaming uh and it's really it's this really really important idea that like the I, I watched this documentary called Integrate Silence, um, uh, directed by Philip Grinning, I believe is his name. It came out like, mm-hmm. oh man, way too long ago now, 15, 16, <laughs> 16 years ago, like 2005, um, I think. And he go it, in the document, he basically, requ- he sent a request uh, to the Grand Chartreuse, which are these, these Carthusian monks who live in France in a monastery. They're like mm-hmm. like hyper ascetic. Like ascetic as in uh, the practice of, for listeners who don't read all the same stupid crap that I do, uh, a practice of restraint and sort of like like stoic restriction in, mo- in uh, mostly in like a religious setting. So Think about like a nun wearing a hair shirt and staying fat, chaste, fasting in certain ways, remaining silent in other as certain times. About when you enter into some kind of an order, an, a monastic order, for example, how you sell all of your belongings or how you give up all of your belongings and give them away to the poor. About sacrifice and restriction. And what what it made me think of is that this documentary is like two and a half hours long. There's no voiceover and there's no extra music or anything. It's basically just like this real capturing of the rhythm and meditations of living a completely silent like life with exceptions of singing and these certain these certain sort of like rites and rituals that are practiced in a particular way. And then the restriction of silence that sort of they cast over the rest of their life. And like silence in this context is so much, it's so often a response to what they would interpret as the voice, the silent voice of God, which it like the silence in restriction of ourselves to silence is in and of itself a question about suffering, which is the, the silence of ourselves is a response to the silence from God. It reminds us of the question that Jesus Jesus of Nazareth asked uh, on the cross, which, my Lord, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Um, it was this, in this sort of like apex of sacrifice, um, there there's there's a, a long silence that occurs in these moments of sacrifice and in these moments of suffering that require a great deal of reflection um from ourselves and and the re- <laughs> the reason why that this is about blasphemous is because not just because the main character is from is a silent protagonist who comes from a silent monastic order but that when that oftentimes we're forced to in ways that maybe we don't deserve, in ways that seem horrific and unfair, in ways that seem like inhumane, ungodly, of the evidence of a lack of God, that sort of a thing, thrust into this world that is filled with violence and cruelty and the suffering of people who don't deserve it. 
um and this sort of the 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 meditative exercise of this monastic guy turns into violence but it never stops being silent it, as you walk around this map gathering like i think about when you go and you like get an item and you bring it back to that part of the map where you have like these lepers um who are basically bandaging each other and take it's one of the only like sort of non-violent places left in this world and you just come mm. back and very quietly and meditatively bring them objects with which to heal one another to create like salves or oils or whatever it is that they call it. it's been a little too long um yeah and it's this very powerful like very aggressive but very quiet confrontation with suffering in the world that i find it just it's so like it is a game that always needed a new a new game plus and not just because like new game plus is fun but because these are questions that impose more questions and that's what makes it a good game to me i don't know if any of that makes sense. it did i knew when i recommended this that this game would would resonate and you'd have a lot to say about it <laughs> yeah you um, did you nailed it <laughs> <laughs> um i love the almost cliche of like healing lepers yep. being uh kind of like the thing you do when you kind of come back to base mm -hmm. after finishing an area you'll probably have something to bring back for the lepers uh that i thought that was i i, I don't know there's, there's a thing about living in a culture that is foundationally christian in a lot of ways where even if you're not, you know, I'm not religious, but like all of these images and these ideas are so, so like familiar to me. They were around when I was growing up. Um, so uh, I, I think that's a big part of why I find specifically a lot of like Catholic shit uh, more uh, disturbing uh, I guess. Like some of the things that are, I guess, meant to be disturbing. I think they just hit harder than um a lot of like intentional horror or or like uh lovecraftian stuff or whatever just because it has that almost inherent familiarity because you you get these little bits and pieces of what would become our culture uh whenever anything engages with like christian uh mythos i guess um and it it's it just it feels like it's it's calling on something so much more like elemental and and baked into to our society and, and our sort of collective subconscious than um you know just like making a spooky monster or something um, <laughs> like i tent what if there was fishmen huh and they is this fly good? is this scary fucking fly. is this scary yeah like I you know I love a lot of Lovecraft stuff, but for me things like this are on a different level. Like the bosses in this game are absolutely fucking terrifying. A lot of them, like they're so disturbing in just that perfect way that I think could only hit right if you grew up in a world that was so heavily informed by by Christianity. Um, yeah. Yeah. I don't know if someone grew up. I don't know. I, I feel like there's not a lot of Christian influence in like China. I don't know if I'm wrong about that. No. Like I don't I don't You're... I don't know if someone who grew up there would have the same reaction to some of this shit as someone who grew up in like, you know, America or Canada or, or most of Europe where these things are just kind of baked in, yeah, you know. Or Latin America and South America. Uh Yeah. Especially, I think you're right about that. And I think I really think okay, and Oh god. Do I go straight into the paintings of Francisco Goya, or do I stay in the New <laughs> do Testament? Do it, King. Uh, okay. So <laughs> for the first thing that this, uh, that everything that you just said made me think of is there. So in the New Testament, there are like like the Apostle Paul. Uh, you didn't think you were gonna go to a fucking uh, Sunday school today, but uh, we're we're talking we're talking about the Catholic game, the Catholic simulator um that's right this is the uh there are a bunch of different ways that the apostle paul describes suffering in his epistles there's a bunch there's different types of sufferings there's there's a form of suffering 
that is sort of like perplexing that it's it's the suffering that is the imposition of doubt um about the sort of like the path of the self or the path of others like what do i do there's the suffering in uh circumstance you know like the the in uh an, an affliction uh the greek word is thlipsis uh this the the circum the the suffering of poor circumstances and mm. the it, what i'm thinking about there's this greek word katabalo it means to be cast out or to st- be struck down um which is it's the idea that in suffering uh and this is one of the most important part i think about how we interpret these types of games uh in like a, a very christianized is like like you know we're in, we're in a, a definitely a much 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 more secularized version of this world but with still like all of the gestures and exactly what you're talking about okay the sort of the evidence of a strong christian history and identity sort of baked into the culture around us and something that i think is it gets lost especially as we live in like a post a, like a deindustrialized like consumer consumer economy is that like suffering there is a level of suffering that comes through selflessness there is a there is a level of necessary the necessary suffering that a lot of like like say christians with a persecution complex which is a lot of them like that the one that they they think about suffering as hostility or a level of persecution that in all honesty they're just usually not experiencing because people aren't discriminated in all the places that we're talking about people are not discriminated (laughs) for being christian that's just like that's a myth that's not a thing but there is suffering in the opening ourselves up to acts of selflessness and generosity because this is these are it's a deliberate acts of vulnerability um forsaking the self for the sake of christ and doing so as an act of coming alongside another paul uses the word fellow worker um in a very deliberate way because it's it's a it transgresses the functions of social relationships in the greco-roman world where he lived and sort of brings people in this very rigid like he grew up under the roman empire in this very a very rigid caste society that has particular roles for fathers and their sons on both there's asymmetry in relationships but everyone has a role everyone has a purpose and like this is <laughs> funny enough this is going to come up in the boss baby video that i'm going to put out the potrofamilias <laughs> <laughs> i love i love writing essays <laughs> um but there is like the 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 acts of selflessness necessitate vulnerability and these forms of vulnerability necessitate suffering and it makes me think of a passage in the epistle to the hebrews um that it's in the second chapter i'm trying to find the fucking verse chapter 2 verses 17 through 18 uh therefore he had to be made like he's this is uh Paul describing the sacrifice of Christ. Therefore, he had to be made like his brethren in every respect so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service of God to make expiation expiation for the sins of the people. For because he himself has suffered and been tempted, he is able to help those who have been tempted. And it's this like, it's this attitude that gets lost in our contemporary moment, Christian or not. I think it's something that's really important. It's something that I've taken with me sort of just in my own life is that like we must in sacrifice for something greater, prepare ourselves for not just the suffering that comes from that, but the idea that we must persevere through that particular suffering. And what makes me, th- why it makes me think of blasphemous is that there is like, yeah, I, you refer to it as a home base, and I think that that's really true. The, the The center of the game is in the silent passing of objects to a colony of lepers, and it's mm-hmm. this like this very this very kind, very quiet act of like in the midst of all of the abject violence of this character's world and everything that they've gone through, and the fact that this world is like like it is is 
there are things in motion by this entity that they call miracle that are that we cannot explain that they cannot see and that is that is ultimately this like silence that like you know you know how you know when silence is just the loudest thing in the world we're so yeah, yeah we're so used to like like I have literally someone building a building next to like where I'm recording right now. That's why everyone can always hear the beeps and all the construction noise. I live off a highway. Like I got my dog. I love my dog, but he loves to bark. I got all <laughs> I've got is noise all around me. And I remember last year I got to I was very very lucky to finally get out of the state and take the first like even slight vacation I had taken in like eleven years or something like that to go basically mm. to the middle of the woods in North Carolina. And like there's there's a lot of noise out there in terms of nature, but there's a, there's this there's this like there's this echo of silence that like reverberates so loudly and almost like made me emotional in like the ability to sort of hear myself think again and like like it's the it's in this same this it's a similar moment to when in this game you go and you deliver like some garlic or whatever to help these you know help people who are suffering like just to create a salve just to ease their pain even if only for a moment that like like it 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 makes the working through of these the difficult questions that are baked into this game why is there violence? Why is there suffering? Why is there so much anguish? Why? What am I to do about it? Like all of these mm-hmm. different types of suffering that, like, we can see in the New Testament when you look at the Greek, is there's like there's a there's such a quiet power in those moments specifically that make all of the like gratuitous violence feel necessary, if not if so like. If so cruel, so if it's cruel, so be it. It's violent, so be it. It's because there are the like. It, it's about like and. It's it's just it's just that's a, that's just what it's about. It's 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 about the invitation of suffering when we open ourselves up, and make ourselves vulnerable for the sake of others. That um. Yeah, I I it's a, it's a good video game that in particular <laughs> yeah it is it is good um you got me thinking something you said a minute ago uh about the sort of um like false persecution complex that is present uh with a lot of christianity and it got me thinking about where i grew up where there was some christians uh, a lot of them lived on like a weird island commune i don't know what the fuck was going on there but um they were very uh concerned with this also and when i was when i was a youngin i think i was like a uh teenager young teenager in like the early days of like epic reddit new atheism and so i would sometimes get into arguments is a little extreme but uh you know a little a little kerfuffle with them uh especially when they would talk about their the the Per, the the persecution of Christians is like this big ongoing thing, and when I would sort of comment that I don't think that's a thing uh, it, in you know two thousands Canada um, that they really should be that worried about, yeah. uh, they would cite um, biblical stories that usually featured the uh, persecution of Jews, and I'm not sure if they knew the difference necessarily. Or what? But I'm going to say that's stolen valor. That's what I'm going to call that. <laughs> I would like to to uh, reassure our listeners that I'm no longer an epic Reddit 2000s new atheist. Um, I'm just a Marxist now, uh, yeah. which is better. Oh, so much better. A, a lot Same. of those people suckered me in, I think, because I think a lot of new atheism was responding to like right-wing Christian fundamentalism that was kind of really imbued with like hyper conservative politics yes. and that I've always th- th- that was shit I was against anyway even at that age so it was very easy um especially if you don't have a strong kind of materialist base for your ideology to be like oh it's it's just because they believe in god that somehow makes them 
hyper-capitalist Christians. Yep. Uh, and I think that a lot of more, like, weirdly anti-theist um, socialists that do exist uh, fall into that same trap. And it's like, no, it's you're kind of confusing the chicken with the egg here a bit, you know? Yeah, and not paying any attention to Latin America uh, or South America. It's just, it's this very ahistoric. And I know, like, and this this is, like, something that I went through like like i've read thankfully thankfully i didn't get too far into you know the epic new atheist crap because i read Mm. sam harris early and i'm like oh this guy's (laughs) clearly racist and then well Uh. nice and liberated thereafter but i read the i read the dawkins book and i read all the and i'm like ah see like the like this this is the 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 uh the woes of society are as a result of this of this particular supremacy, despite the fact that that supremacy existed before capitalism and all of that stuff, it just mm-hmm. it, it was it was it's, I mean honestly it kind of relates to what we were talking about earlier with like the you know the Overwatch pride skins or rainbow banners and Apex Legends or whatever. It's this like like it's a solution that is sort of almost is going to predispose you to not finding other solutions to the problems of society and the problems of being a modern subject and to like it doesn't allow us to properly reflect on the functions that all of this all of the like that religious belief and the the cultural expressions of religious belief and how these meld with the uh, the formations of our social world and how people like yeah legislate around it which is super bad don't like it mm-hmm. and how they use it to you know claim oppression when in all actuality they are in at the highest levers of power in like their particular society um to the, these declarations of supremacy which is just like, it's really, I mean, honestly, I think that's what something like Blasphemous is trying to understand. It's like, like, it's not like, you're not, Richard Dawkins is not the protagonist of this game. The <laughs> protagonist of this game is wearing Catholic precepts. He has a red cord wrapped around his waist. He has the pointy hat. He's made a vow yeah. of silence. He like he is an an aesthetic figure and the practicing of his asceticism is to observe and interact with the incredible violence that exists around him as a like intercession on this accepted silence of God and instead begins asking questions by moving through the world and like I I mentioned earlier that I was I was thinking about the paintings of Francisco Goya um while playing this and and clearly like the sort of chiaroscuro of spanish painting and uh, i mean you know having a spanish developer and you know that sort of thing he's clearly very influential on this but like goya was like 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 the paintings of goya were created in like and the at such an intense level of suffering that like there like this is this is after the Napoleonic Wars, and this is during a like huge large per- periods of anxiety, like public anxiety that everyone has experienced. Just like like the the anxious terror of reaction, um, and just like mm-hmm. what what do you do? How do you describe your world? Like when you are just witnessing the darkest portions of humanity that are just like slaughtering each other, it makes me think about um, the uh, sort of art movements that emerged after World War One as well, which I would would definitely be very influenced by Goya. Just like in the midst of fascism, in the midst of incredible violence, of new technology that's just that new technology that was created literally to pump holes into human beings as quickly as possible and to give them like to drop gases on them and give the creation of trench warfare and just like the like a level of violence that had like not been experienced in history and the way that these paintings were constructed 
were by a like a half deaf Goya who like a, a going deaf in his like adult years like hacking fucking murals onto the side of his house and basically like in the wall on the walls painting that the most faint probably like i would say the most faint i would say definitely the most famous of goya's black paintings saturn devouring his son like just like the house the the larger house around him is crumbling and the 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 just disgusting like machinations of humanity are making themselves known on a daily basis and intervening directly in his life and like what do you do but like paint the interiors of your house with the the visions of suffering that you have witnessed like completely like firsthand and it's like Mm -hmm. the 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 penitent one in uh what was it the the his congregation i have notes on it the, he was the brotherhood of the silent sorrow is the name yeah. of the uh monastic order um that uh the penitent one comes from and they're all fucking dead and like this like how do you act out suffering and observe suffering in a way in, in a in a way how out of how does creation emerge out of death um and in this game it's in the same way that with goya goya was able to create like some of the most beautiful and horrifying works of art in the western world at least after the early modern period um and doing so in the vernacular of his contemporary moment in the vernacular of the christianized spanish world and like create something that is like awe-inducing that comes from it and this game is just about like in between like the kind subtle quiet meditative moments uh that we were talking about that we witness in the the healing of people who are afflicted the you know the 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 taking on suffering for oneself in order to like ease the wounds of another and everything that comes with that it's just like the world is such a dark, brutal, horrifying place to where just we are walking on top of the bodies of the bodies of the bodies of people who have been crushed, to quote Mario Salvio on accident, the the bodies crushed in the gears of the apparatus. And yeah. we like, the only way to ease our own suffering is to bear witness to suffering. And I think it's an unbelievably powerful thing. Man, we should do a whole episode on Goya. He is my favorite painter by far. I doubt that will surprise anyone to hear who's familiar with with both him and me. <laughs> um, uh, that's paintings are a video game, right? We mm-hmm. could just do an episode on Goya. I, I paintings are. I have decided that paintings are a video game. Um, Boom, paintings. That's a video game. Yeah, that that's everyone. Everyone's just like crying and saying you can't say everything is a video game and i'm just pointing to various works of art and being like see that video game that's a video game baby you know it yeah i think that if i ever have enough money to like spend on something this frivolous i would uh i would commission someone to paint uh saturn devouring his son except it's like skittles Mm -hmm. eating something i haven't Mm -hmm. decided what oh i would uh um and then you have to make prints of that so mm-hmm. that we can, um, and I, by we, I mean me and both of our audiences probably can uh, consume that. Because yeah, I that's would, gonna be the merch. I, w- I w- <laughs> <laughs> like I, it, now. It has to be okay. It it, it has to be. <laughs> you can be all right. S- I- Skittles can be cons- can be devouring me. Okay, sure. She'll be devouring someone. I feel like anyone who can do a, a reasonable Goya, like, uh, uh, I don't know what to call it, like, reproduce his style satisfactorily is not going to come cheap. So I'm going to start saving up. Patreon.com slash Skittles. <laughs> That's right. Give to the Patreon so I can spend it on this most important endeavor. Yes. Very, I need it. I want important. a huge framed uh version of that in my living room <laughs> just i want i want i want a mu- i want an actual wall mural of it 
and then you just oh like, my God, yeah. then you have to take the wall with you. <laughs> that divine will, equally pious and cruel, which we could not and will never be able to unravel, was called the miracle. Um, okay, so Microsoft's, uh, or Xbox's, I guess, Phil Spencer says studio acquisitions are good for the video game industry saying it's actually awesome that microsoft is buying up tons of studios uh because entrepreneurs who take the risk of launching a studio should be able to reap the rewards of their efforts if it's successful entrepreneurs like um bill gates yes and and, and people working from microsoft who really real rag to riches story yeah the a, real a microsoft company Phil Spencer, the real down and out of the fucking video game. I'm industry. very concerned with the all the studios that Microsoft has been sort of slurping up. Some of them uh, have made like a lot of them are smaller studios. Like I don't really give Bethesda sucks. Like yeah. if anything, Microsoft owning them might make them better. They're a nightmare studio, but yeah, a lot they of, also like, belong indie... together. They deserve yeah, they each belong other. in hell. Yeah, <laughs> um, pretty sure the people who made Hellblade got bought up by them recently, and that was like a really cool, unique sort of indie game that I think yeah. was really Ninja beloved. Th Ninja Theory, right? Ninja Theory, and I'm um, they announced a new game. This this was all a couple years ago, but after that acquisition, and it just looked like super generic shit it looked like they were trying to to horn in on like overwatch's sort of department it looked like it was meant to just be like a big multiplayer cash cow game and i think they are uh in in fairness i think they are going to be making a uh hellblade 2 so i think the and uh, you know hopefully that'll be good but i think they're being allowed to um you know work on on stuff that they would want to but just shit like that other game that they they made it gets me concerned about like studios that do stuff that's really cool and boundary pushing just being like all right uh we've got this project that somebody in a boardroom at some point said they wanted and that's your job now so stop whatever yeah. else you wanted to do for the next however many years and, and work on this and that's yeah. always a concern when something like microsoft is scooping up studios the other concern is that they'll just fucking uh cannibalize them which again to be fair Hasn't happened um, to, it, to any of the recent acquisitions, but it is a trend in the industry that I, I can't not be concerned about, you know? It is a problem. Like, cause, like, it's a problem even if the good games still get made. Because it's about, mm -hmm. because it's a problem of capital. Like, oh, yeah. The, it, it's, this is just recouping potential... Or like even like if we want to go into like our horizon, our the limitations of our horizons of possibilities and culture, like which like you know even talking about like talking about politics is just like fucking bleak. But like <laughs> even in these like these small realms of culture, to where there's like we have like small studios like Super Giant, who we talked about, and like who are actually producing that are interesting, like thought-provoking games that don't have 85 different types of dlc they give you a full get video game when you pay for the full video game and it's yeah. fairly priced and it's entertaining and it's well made and it's thought-provoking but like that can't we live in a world to where that cannot exist past a certain like metric it can't get too big because yeah. it will get reclaimed it will get bought up and it will get made shittier and regardless, those people who make those games are no longer recouping all of the profits from the thing that they made. Instead, part of those profits are going toward an incredibly evil company like fucking Microsoft, who just like are they're they're monsters. Like yeah, they're, it, they're bad. Supergiant is maybe my favorite like studio, and I'm I've been living in fear ever since Hades was a huge hit of a company yeah. like Microsoft fucking scooping them up and 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 them never being the same you know um and it's yeah. always a concern because if you're a small studio i mean that could be you know financially a big success for you is 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 an offer like that from microsoft but uh if you care about games as like an art form it's a very frightening prospect for the most part 
Yeah, and then if you know if you're in in Microsoft's thrall, then it's uh, whether you're making enough not just for that, but to make Phil Spencer happy. Otherwise, uh oh, he's gonna have a talk with you. Like, mm-hmm. oh, you you sold fucking ten million copies. Yeah, we expected you to sell twelve million, so uh, we're gonna be replacing you. Like, yeah. man, Phil Spencer gives me the creeps. Fuck him. Um, trying to frame Microsoft you know, trying to become like the, the Disney of video games where they just fucking scoop up as many IPs as they can until everything is under their horrible claws. Uh, he's trying to frame that as a good thing. Like, just shut up. Yeah. Get out of here. Fucking work too. You fucking asshole. Oh my God. I know it's fucked. <laughs> I, yeah. Leave super giant alone. Get your hands <laughs> off the, stay the animals. fuck away. Yes. You may not like, let them let them be at peace, you bastards. And, and in fact, whoever made Blasphemous, hold on, let me. So the, the concern is Team Seventeen then getting bought up, yeah. uh, and potentially taking all these things with them. So, uh, fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> Stay away. Get out of here. All right, that's probably enough from us on this fine day. We've you know we've got a lot of work to get back to. We have to write uh, entire books about boss baby mm-hmm. um where can people find your boss baby related content kyle oh you can find that at youtube.com slash labor kyle uh where you can find where you can inevitably watch every other video uh because every other <laughs> video i make is about a piece of culture um that i think is ridiculous and then the other ones are about uh uh dumb and ridiculous things um that no one should care about like theories of history and um the you know the 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 hope that we can find in an ethic of solidarity and you know the work of hegel and all that dumb crap no one cares about um but you can find (laughs) it there you can find the boss baby content there, and I will also probably for the rest of my life because I've been cursed by which um, will be tweeting about it also at Labor Kyle. Uh, so um, follow me and join That's the suffering. Right. <laughs> uh, and you can find me on Twitter and YouTube at K and Skittles. And if you like my YouTube videos and you want more. Uh, just go to Netflix and type in Boss Baby, and uh, that's I made that. That's me. That's me. Yeah, that's me. That's me. Uh, yeah. Kyle's in it too. Don't yes. you worry. Yeah, yeah. We uh, <laughs> um, uh, co-produced and co-created all Boss Baby content. The, the Boss Baby uh, Netflix series. Um, there's a TV show, by the way. It has four seasons. Is that a um, joke? No, that's real. I've seen several episodes. How the uh, fuck is there four seasons already? What? Because it because you just because nothing matters. All gamers are bastards. Ah, ravioli. Ah, mamma mia.